Welcome back to the Wedding Community Podcast. Uh, you might notice things look a little bit differently if you're watching as opposed to listening. We're actually here live and I am interviewing my friend Michelle with Financial Design Studio. And we are gonna be talking about all things financial related, which will be super fun. You know, it's one of those things I think a lot of wedding business owners overlook. You know, a lot of times, where we're getting our business going, we're so worried about our craft, you know, whether that's our photography, it's our wedding planning, whatever it is, we're always so worried about the craft and trying to impress people, but we don't even have our finances in line. You know, we don't have a proper bank account set up. We're not doing our taxes right. We don't know what our profit and loss is. So we're gonna talk about a lot of cool stuff like that today. And so Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm great, thank you, this is fun. Yeah, so I met Michelle and her husband, Steve, what, probably like, Two or three years. Yeah, uh, well, well, maybe actually recording. Yeah, like yeah. before that. Probably. Yeah, we met at CBF, um, which was an organization that our church mm -hmm. was doing for business owners to come together and yep. to kind of share stories and just help mm -hmm. each other's businesses grow. And mm -hmm. so we met there, and I was I was very impressed um, by what you guys had going on because from someone that's been doing networking for a while, even before then, I would meet a lot of financial advisors, and it was like your typical like everything just kind of looked the same. And when I met you guys, like I see your website and it's all like branded and like you have your own colors and fonts and you're doing these cool videos. And I was just really impressed with like what you guys were doing compared to what I was seeing out in the marketplace. Part of me had always kind of hoped that maybe someday I will be doing their videos. And then surely enough, that door kind of opened because the videographer you were using, he moved to another state and then you guys tried me out and we've been doing that for a few years now, which has been great. And it's been awesome to see your guys' team grow. It's not just you and Steve. You've added two new members and just to see all the business you guys get is great. And so Michelle, why don't you uh, introduce your business to everyone? Yeah. Yeah. So our business is Financial Design Studio. And you're exactly right. We started working together, doing video. When we launched our business, we just, the biggest thing is that you need people to find your business. You need to be out there. You just need people to know you exist. And so when we started, we thought we need to be doing video. And it was something we had thought for a few years. Um, but right away, we started recording those videos and a lot of it is just to educate people so we you know you can search for something online but sometimes there's so many topics that you don't even think about and so sometimes it's just we have a weekly video and it's always on different videos different topics you know just a variety of things and so when you're when you see it, I guess, in your feed, whether that's on social media or YouTube, you might think about something that you hadn't thought before. So that's really the goal is to educate people. Um, Financial Design Studio came, so that name became because finances, so we had we had been working with people's finances, accounting and financial planning and investing for years. And really what you see is it becomes a design. It becomes so unique to that person because sometimes a business is involved, sometimes a business isn't, and you're just employed. And there may be stock options, there may be all these different things. So it's so unique to you. So it's designed. And so then we just wanted kind of a small feel. So we felt like studio, we were you know looking for that last word. Um, we wanted the name to have financial and so financial design studio when you put it all together you know it's really custom to our clients it's designed um, and it's a studio it's not too big to serve people um, but big enough with all of our team members they know anything that's going to be thrown at them so yeah so it's been really fun to launch and like you said it's fun in the beginning to pick colors and to pick your logo and to pick your name those are hard decisions because you're you're like picking 
your baby's name of what it's going to be for years. Um, but it's fun when you kind of put it together and then you kind of start this dream and then you start kind of putting your craft in with it. And what does that look like when I'm serving clients? So even like video clients, what does that look like? And how does that kind of weave into what our name is? You know, it's actually funny. I don't think I've ever actually heard the story of how mm -hmm. it got formed. So it's really cool to hear that and just how the words kind of came together. And, and I love how there's like meaning to the words that you guys use for the title. A lot of times, people just kind of throw random words out there, you know, and they're like, okay, that sounds good. I'll put it together, but there's no meaning behind it. So it's just really cool to see that like intentionality that you guys had when you were crafting your brand. I think that's what we were seeing happen a lot in our industry is, you know, it might be Smallenberger and Smallenberger. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like a really big firm or it right. sounds really important, but what if, what about when Smallenberger becomes, you know, we add someone else. Well, yeah. now are we going to add names or, so we wanted something that could grow with the firm so that if we were no longer there, think 60 years down the road, we want this firm to exist to continue taking care of clients. And so that just gives it a natural transition. So whoever is managing Financial Design Studio, wherever, you know, whatever year we're talking about, it can always exist and continue to be that brand that it stands for something for certain things um, instead of just being about us. And so we were seeing that a lot in the industry. So that was purposeful not to have our names. Um, so yeah. It's interesting that you talk about that too, because I feel like when I met you guys, I felt like the brand you had was very approachable because like you guys are putting your faces right there in the videos and on your website and everything. And when I, you know, I used to kind of look for financial help and I never really went down that route because I always felt like it felt kind of like cold to me. You know, it's like, I don't know who I would actually be working with. This place sounds huge, even though it might be like two people, you know, but they just, they made it sound like they were bigger than maybe they actually are. Yeah. So it was kind of like intimidating to someone like me who's just a small business so I just never really talked to anyone and then when I saw what you guys were doing it was very approachable and I think that's an important thing because I know when I started my own business I didn't try to put my face on anything I was like I got to keep it very vanilla because I don't know who's looking at this but as like the years have gone by I've actually tried to put myself more in there because that's what's gonna win over clients is like your personality and just your approach and what makes you unique compared yeah. to what everyone else is doing and I think a lot of times people work with you because of you. You know, they want, they know you, they like you. And so they're like, okay, I want to do business with Travis. Now, some of the other things are for marketing, you know, sometimes that's a trick that I want to sound bigger than I am. So that's why I choose the name that I do, or I market the way that I do. And so there is kind of like some people choose to do that so that they give off that impression. Other, I mean, what we kind of said, we kind of took the other approach of marketing, whereas we wanted, you know, when you meet a new client, let's say it's a phone call, video call these days, whatever that is, email. Um, we wanted people to know us. So they already heard us. They had already seen us. They already knew how we thought about things. And so it was like, we were already giving them all of that information. So then when they reached out to us, now we might have like a 30 minute call and they're then deciding to work, to work with us or, you know, to work with someone else that they've interviewed, which is completely fine. But we've already like cut down all of that time that we would have had to have said, well, yeah. here's who I am and let's meet. But all of that is there on video. So it makes it that process even so much faster. Yeah. Well, it's actually kind of funny because people probably downloaded this episode expecting finance information <laughs> and we're getting into marketing, but I think you guys do that so well too. I almost feel like we could do a whole nother podcast just talking about how you guys have marketed and branded yourselves, but we will hop into the finance stuff. So, um, you know, first off, Michelle, can you just kind of um, let the listeners know what kind of services you guys offer? 
Yeah. Yes. So um, we are fee-only financial advisors. And so my degree is in financial planning. So I graduated from Kansas State University and then started working for a firm. So worked for them for 12 years. And then that's when Steve and I launched our own firm. Um, We, yeah, fee-only financial advisors were all um, CFPs and and that's a certified financial planner. So that's important because you want to know that whoever you're working with has credentials. They know what they're talking about. And then fee-only just refers to the fact that we don't sell any products, whether that's in insurance, investments, whatever that might be. And it's not because those are bad. It's just because we've chosen that we don't want to sell products so that our clients know when we're giving you advice, it's because that's the advice that's best for you. And then you can go buy that from someone else. And then they earn the commission because that's what they do. They sell those products. So um, that's why we've set our business up that way. And yeah, there's four people on our team. So Uh, Between the four of us, we have specialties in investments, tax, insurance, and then financial planning just in general as a whole. So the team together really helps to serve. The main groups of clients that we're working with are um, near retirees and then also business owners and then high income earners. And the reason for those three groups is that there's a lot of tax complexity between those. So if you're a high income earner, for example, you have maybe stock options, restricted stock, you have bonuses, you have a lot of things that are moving. And so you're thinking, how do I, how do I keep the most of this tax efficiently? And then when you're nearing retirement, you're thinking, how do I start spending the money that I've saved? And there's a lot of tax implications that come into that. And then finally, business owners, this is where, because tax is such a big part of what we do, helping business owners get their books set up, helping them make sure that they're doing things on the regular basis, whether that's quarterly, monthly, annually, you know, as a business owner, there's so many things that need to get done. So that's why those three groups are really the ones that we say we can serve these people the best. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball, but it's going off of something you said there. So I'm self-employed. Most people listening to this are self-employed unless it's still just like something they're doing on the side Mm -hmm. um, or they have a spouse maybe that gets benefits from their jobs. But for the most part, a lot of us, we don't have the luxuries of like having a business that sets us up with like a 401k and retirement plan and, you know, all these kind of things. So, you know, like we don't have to get too much in the detail, but what would you say are like some good, like first baby steps, like a business owner, like myself should take to prepare themselves for retirement down the road? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are, there's kind of this progression of a business that you can, you can kind of morph through, I think, as you go and you get experienced. So you might be starting out, a lot of people are probably starting out um, kind of on the side. This is like a side hustle. It can be called just something that you're kind of learning all the ins and outs and the details before you officially decide, okay, I'm leaving whatever I'm doing, whatever part-time job or full-time job I'm doing, and I'm now going to step out and this is all I'm going to do. And so then it becomes a real business. And then you might say, now we're growing so much, I need help. And so now you have this team. So that's kind of that progression. When you are starting out, some of the biggest things, you know, in the beginning, you're really, so I, I kind of said, like, even in year one of our business, you know, our goal was to start making money, to have revenue coming in. So that's kind of back to that marketing, but you want money coming in. And then once money's coming in, you're trying to figure out, I need enough money to pay all of these expenses. And so then that might be like, you know, later in year one or year two. And then you're trying to say, I just, I want to make a profit. Now I want to make more than what's covering my expenses. So that might be like years one, two, and three, what I kind of described right there. From that point, so it's really, you know, not until you have more money coming in 
than your expenses that you can actually start like saving money and maybe even getting paid. So there's kind of those two things. But it's really like whenever you start getting money that is more than those expenses, you want to start setting saving something. And so that's where like even if you start in the beginning, it's nothing is too small. So whether it's $25 every month from what's left over, whether it's $50, don't ever feel like something is too small. Start at least then because what you're doing is you're starting these habits of saying as I'm earning more, I'm putting money away. And as you start to earn more and more, you start to put more away. Now, when you're you're just saving that money, the other trick is what type of account are you putting that into? And so that's where whether you're working with your accountant, whether you have a financial advisor, um, any of those ways, if you can set that into a type of account where it's actually like saving you money on the taxes as well, because all of that profit that you now have, so whenever you're making more money than the expenses that you have, that's called profit. So that profit then is kind of this money you're going to have to pay tax on because the government says, great, your business is doing so well. We want a portion of that. And that's that tax that you pay. So anything that you can do to limit that profit, and that even means like putting money in that retirement account, saving that for the future, that all decreases the taxes you pay. So that's where once you start to kind of get that profit, um, be sure that you're reaching out, that you're getting some type of advice from some type of financial professional, whether an accountant or a financial advisor, just so they can help you get that account set up so you're putting it in the right place. And so this is where, you know, in the beginning, you may say, I'm not making enough money. I can't hire an advisor. I can't hire an accountant, but you could always pay for, you know, an hour or two or two of time, even from, you know, an attorney that can point you in the right direction and get you started. If you say, I'm going to start saving something. So then you, at least you're knowing, you know, you're putting it in the right place. The thing is, you know, as you add over time, as you add people to your team, you know, that, that account type that you're putting money into might need to change. So that's where it's always have some type of professional helping you once you get to that point. Um, but even before then, you know, just saying, Hey, I just need to sit down with someone for an hour to tell me what should I be doing? What should I be thinking about? So that's always good to do. Even if you think you know everything, there might be something that you just aren't thinking of. You know, as your profits rise, you want to try to do something with that money when you can to kind of lower the cost of your taxes and stuff. And videographers, photographers, DJs, anyone like in the wedding business where there's a lot of like gear, sometimes they look at that as like, I'm just going to buy more gear and write it off. But it's like, there's, there's way better ways to do things with that money because, you know, gear can be an investment, but sometimes we're just buying things just to buy things, you know, whereas if you're actually putting it into stocks or bonds or a savings account, like that, that will just kind of grow over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, starting as soon as you can is like super beneficial. I talk to people and they might be in their forties and they still haven't set up something. And it's like they, and they have extra money, like their business is doing really well, but that money's just like sitting in their checking account and it's not doing anything for them. Yeah. And what happens all the time is if the money sits there in your bank account, it almost always gets spent because it's sitting there. You see it. And so you're just itching saying, where am I going to spend this? What am I going to buy with this? Instead of if you just set it into that retirement account, savings account, whatever that is, you just get it out of your eyesight. So it's out of there. You're not thinking about anything else with that now. It's doing its job over here as you're doing your job building your business. So you're exactly right. Starting early. That's why I say like no amount is too small starting early doing that because the longer you wait, now you have to put more into that to get to that amount that you need or want later.
Yeah, and I think it connects back to kind of backing up from there. A lot of times when I talk to newer wedding business owners, they don't they don't really have a track of their numbers. Let's take a wedding photographer, for example. You know, a wedding comes in, full day wedding, and they make a thousand bucks. And they're like, wow, this is great. This is better than my normal job. You know, I should just start doing this. But then when they start kind of realizing how much time it took on the phone, you know, beforehand, the actual shooting of the day, investing in the gear, having insurance, um, driving to the shoot, doing all the editing, preparing prints, all these things, next thing they know, they're only making like $5 an hour, you know? And so I think it's very important to keep track of your finances and know what your profit and loss is. So you know what you should be charging then that would, it would be a normal wage, you know, someone would make. And so, um, what is some advice you have for people to help keep track of that information? Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, one thing you mentioned is it's always so dangerous as a business owner in the very beginning to calculate your hourly wage with what you're earning because it's so depressing. You know, if you're if you're not at that point that you want to be yet in that first or second year, you're like what have I done? What am I doing? But you know you're building something bigger. So it's a it's a process. So in the beginning, what you really want to do is you want to be starting so like we said just with saving. You want to start doing that right away. So what typically can happen is, is let's say that this is a side hustle for a lot of people. So we can almost even use the word. It's not like a business. It's maybe more of a hobby. This is something I have an interest in. I think that I might want to launch a business in the future, but I'm not sure. So I'm learning more. I'm buying gear that people, you know, might be paying me or hiring me to do, you know, maybe it's one wedding, one event, one something. So let's say you get paid that $1,000 and now you're saying, what can I do with this thousand? Because it's money that came in. And so naturally, I think in the beginning, you might buy the gear that you need because you do need that for your business. There's certain things you're going to need. So in that stage where it's kind of like, is this a hobby? Is this going to be a business? Those are the times where I think it's critical, just like we said, starting with a little, even with a spreadsheet, you can even just say, here's the money coming in. You can have two columns and you say, here's the money coming in. And this was maybe the event it was for. And then in the next column, you can say, here's the money that I spent this year. And it's important to keep track of both of those because if you earn $1,000, but you spend $1,000 in expenses, then those net out. So there's no profit. So there's no tax that you're going to owe. But if you aren't tracking that, you have no clue. And then at the end of the end of the year, you're scrambling to say, uh, what did I spend? And you're looking for receipts and you're hoping you can find something because if you ever get audited, the IRS is going to want to want you to prove basically that, okay, this money came in, this money you spent, show me, you know, the proof of that. And so that's why you want to be keeping those things. So even just a basic spreadsheet in the beginning, um, you can always use something like QuickBooks, their softwares. I think you use 17 hats that does a lot of things for your business. So there's a lot of different ones you can use use and they don't have to be expensive. Um, it's just setting up so that you have some form of tracking. The cool thing that happens is let's say now you've been in business for five years, you can look back and say, look where we came from, look what we spent. So now if I need to add more gear, I know what that cost me five years ago. It's probably more expensive today, but at least I kind of know now maybe I have this cycle every five years that I'm having to buy this specific gear to replace each other. So there's so many things that if you do that and set that up in the beginning, now you're going to have some 
some knowledge as your business grows, you're going to be able to be a smarter business owner because you're planning ahead for that even. So I, I definitely agree. Like software is super beneficial too. And I know sometimes it's just not in the budget for people and that's fine to do spreadsheets and stuff, but just a little bit of cost, like, like you were saying, we use 17 hats and it's like, it's just, it's a, it's a game changer. And it's really not that expensive when you start to realize how much time it saves you. And so like we can use that to send quotes, invoices, contracts, it just keeps track of everything. And so that just having that is like a good first step. And, and it's not as like, um, powerful as QuickBooks when it comes to your finances, but it still gets the job done. And then you could always upgrade to something like QuickBooks. I know when I started working with you guys, you got me on QuickBooks so I could do payroll and stuff. And it's so nice just having everything laid out for me in one place. And I'm not like going to my Google Docs and it's like, which email did I save that to? And like, okay, that was in my my keep notes and like having everything all over the place. It's just all in this one place and it's very concise. And it's, it's probably one of the first investments you should have. It's like, if you don't have a lot of gear you have to invest, and like if you're a wedding planner or something like that, it's like that should be like almost like the next thing you buy is like some kind of CRM. And if it's not 17 hats, you know, there's there's plenty out there. Like I think there's like one called HoneyBook. And there's so many that are tailored towards wedding vendors, which is great. Like that's what those ones are like. And then if you need to take it a step further or if you have a team, something like QuickBooks is like perfect for that. Exactly. And I think one of the other things too is that, um, so kind of back to this, it's a hobby, it's a business. The other thing is setting up right away that you're saying, okay, um, when I have revenue come into my business, set up a separate bank account. So start to separate those finances so it's really easy to track. So it's not that you're having to sift through all of your personal checking accounts, you're not having to sift through to find expenses or revenue, but anytime money comes in, put that into that cha- that that. Uh, checking account that's for the business. So be sure you're separating that early on because then it makes it so much easier. A lot of times what we'll find as business owners is, you know, because it's still kind of a hobby, maybe not quite a business, they haven't separated those because a lot of times we want that, we need that revenue coming in personally. And then we'll say, okay, I'll figure out the tax part of it later. But you can always transfer money between the accounts if you need to get paid. And then when you get to the point where you're saying, okay, now I'm earning enough and now I need to set up payroll, then, you know, you kind of have the steps, but at least in the beginning, if you can separate out so that in that business account, anytime you're getting paid to do something, the money's going in there. And then anytime you're paying something for the business, it comes out of there. That's a, another great habit that I think a lot of people, they kind of keep everything woven together personally in their personal checking account. And then when we're starting to kind of separate out and help them set up their books, a lot of times, you know, they're sending statements and they're having to tell us, well, okay, this was personal, this was for the business. And it gets really messy, but it just helps you if you separate them out because then when whoever is going to help you, if an accountant's going to help you get your QuickBooks set up or, or any software, um, then they're able to say all these transactions here, like here, I'll just, you know, maybe give you like a, cause there's financial like logins that, you know, they can have access to the data. They can't take any money out of your account, but they can have access to the data to set those books up for you. So then it's much easier for them and for you because you're not now having to go through those statements to tell them, oh wait, this was for the business. So that's something, you know, from early on, if you can at least just separate those even if it's even if you don't have a business name so you haven't you know decided this is going to be formal even if you say my personal checking account is this one and I have a second checking account, like personal checking account. And you know that this one's for the business stuff and this one's for you personally, even if it's just that, you know, at least you're separating out those two things. Yeah. 
What would you say um, is the best way for um, a business owner to handle expenses they have that kind of could be personal or business? Like, you, for example, a car. You know, it's like we use that to get to our destination, but we, I mean, we're obviously using it for personal reasons too. Um, that could even be like smaller things, like you know, a TV. Say you buy a TV for a wedding show, but then you also want to use the TV for personal use. So, what's the best way for a a wedding business to handle that? Yeah. So anything that you know is going to be a hundred percent used for the business, take that, you know, pay for that from that business account or the one that's for the business. If there's something where you're saying it's a TV and we're going to use it personally, but we're also using it for the business, that can always be apportioned later. So as long as you're saving a receipt saying, you know, this year we bought this TV. So what happens is then when you're doing your tax return, you can go through and tell the accountant. And and we usually ask, we'll say, was there anything that you bought this year? You know, maybe it's a home office deduction. So that's a percentage of all those expenses put together. So anything where it's personally, like maybe you're mainly using it for personal, go ahead and, you know, pay for that personally. And then what you'll do is then when you do your taxes, you just want to be sure. So a lot of times, like for our business, and for our clients, we actually keep like kind of rolling records throughout the year saying, oh, we know we, you know, they bought this camera or something. So anytime that we hear and they tell us something, we're writing that down so that then when it comes tax time, we already have anything that happened during the year. So anything like that that you're kind of keeping track of on some type of a timeline or just again, back to a spreadsheet, um, writing that down, that's helpful. But if it's solely for the business, take it from the business account. If it could be either, then you can do it from the personal. You can do it from the business and then just make sure then at the end of the year you ask your accountant because it could be a percentage of that that that's going to be used okay that's great um i know that was like a struggle for me when i kind of was starting to it was like one thing i I had no idea how to handle that and it gets it can get really messy you know because it's like especially when you are a small business and you're doing something like in the creative field it's like there's so much of this overlap of like hobby business you know and it can get it can get a little tricky to navigate that exactly and a lot of times what it comes down to is your accountant will probably ask you what percentage of the time do you use this for personal or for business and so they'll ask you further questions to basically figure out which one it should be but if you find that it's more for one or the other then put it in that bucket but if it could really be either and it's equal then those can get portioned out later, like when you do your tax return. Great. Um, Now, when people are kind of starting up their business, they're just getting going, what are some of the most common mistakes you see happen when it comes time for them to prepare for their taxes? Sure. Yeah. So kind of when we had talked about like not setting up and separating those things, so not doing that early on, now you're having to do that. So so basically we're saying it's now after December 31st, so it's January through April, and you're kind of scrambling saying, I know I need to get my taxes done by a certain time. What do I need? So the biggest thing is just knowing what money is coming in and what money is going out and how what was that money for? So when you separate those accounts, so that that was one of the biggest things that helps when you separate that out. And then also just keeping your receipts, just keeping. And the great thing is, is even on a lot of banks, they will give you, you know, where you can take a picture of a receipt. So whether that's QuickBooks, whether it's, you know, a specific bank, they even have like receipt options now where you can just snap a picture to keep that. So it's not like you're necessarily keeping a shoebox, but if you did just be like, you know, mark 2020 and you just throw everything in there for the year. And then at the end of the year, you're going to go back through that. So the biggest thing is set up some type of system that works for you. So you know that any t- anytime you spend money, you're putting it in that box, you're putting that, you're taking a picture of it, you're putting it in that system. 
whatever it is. So that's one, um, setting things up early. And the other thing is just knowing, knowing your amounts. So that kind of goes back to when you set things up too. Um, because if you get to the end and you don't know how much profit you had, that's, that's really what we're calculating taxes on. So if you had revenue and if you had expenses and those equaled, so in the beginning, maybe you have a thousand bucks of revenue and you have a thousand dollars of expenses. And you might be saying, this is, this might be a hobby. This might be a business. That's where you can ask your accountant, do I need to account for this income? How do I need to account for this income? And they can tell you, okay, what was the amount? What was it for? How much of your time were you spending doing this business? Those are the kind of things where you can actually like throw, you know, that information there because your accountant's going to help you figure out. Because I think someone had kind of asked, you know, um, is there, if I make a couple hundred bucks, you know, how do I actually account for this? Should I be reporting it? Should I not? But you want to report it. Like if it's income and someone's paying you for a service and if it's over certain amounts, you actually need to send, you know, like a tax document, maybe a 1099 if they're helping you or working, you know, for you. So there's different times where those numbers become important. But if you can at least set things up, then when the accountant's helping you, you have, you have all the information you need and they can help you decide that. So the biggest, those are the biggest things is really separating it out, keeping all of those receipts that you might need. Those are really the, the things early on, um, because I think early on, we don't necessarily take it as seriously. We think I just need to get the business making money and I'll figure that part out later. That's what people typically think. But if you're figuring it out in the beginning and you have a system, then it just, and that system literally could be a box. So it's, we're not talking anything complex, but if you can at least figure that out and start using it in the beginning, it'll just make it so much simpler come yeah. to tax time. Yeah, that those habits like setting up those habits I think are so important mm-hmm. cuz if you don't make a habit of it it's like you'll get the receipt and you might just throw it in your pocket or you just throw it in your car and there's not like a set goal. Like I know before I had kind of a, a separate bank account for the business, I used to have like an envelope in my car. Mm-hmm. So that was like for gas and it said gas. So anytime I had a gas receipt, I put that in there mm-hmm. and then if it was like um if it was bills like for the apartment, you know, I would put them in a separate thing. If it was um like gear, I put it in a separate envelope and just kind of had them all like that. Luckily now most of what I buy is online. Yeah. So it's a little easier to track down that stuff. You know, just go on Amazon and be like, okay, yeah. business, business, business. But you know, back then um I, that's I just did like kind of envelopes and that helped keep everything organized and just on track and and related to the car one, like keeping track of your mileage, I think is important too, because then it's like, you know, mattering on how you're, you're kind of writing that off on your taxes. Sometimes you need to have that information. Yeah. The other thing I would say, so we've kind of talked about setting everything up and how that helps you when you do your tax return. But I think the second part of that too, is if you're making a decent amount of money and let's just say that's even $5,000 that you have as revenue. So you have money coming in, you have some expenses. And so what's left over, let's say that's five to 10,000. The other thing is that people don't set, 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 people don't set money aside for taxes. So they just say, great, all 5,000 of that, that 10,000 that's extra, I just put that into my personal account and then it gets spent. So there's nothing left. Then when they do file their tax return and then the accountant says, Hey, you have a balance due, let's say it's $500. And they're like, Whoa, I don't have $500. So that's the other kind of uh, catch that we see because in the beginning, in the beginning, you need to spend all of that money. You know, you're like putting it back into your business. You're saying, I may need to buy gear. I may need to go to lunch with another vendor, you know, to help these relationships, whatever that is, um, you, you're putting money back into the business. It could be marketing. It could be so many different things. And so that's the other thing is just setting 
you know, you can choose a percentage. Your accountant, again, can help you say, you know, you can come up with a big, broad expense where you say your amount, you could say 10%, 15%, 25%, whatever that is, they can help you figure that out because it's based on how much profit you have. It's based on what tax bracket you're going to be in, all of those things. So that's where just come up with some percentage. So you're setting that aside. So when you have extra money that's left over every project you get, you're putting that $50 over there every time. It's kind of back to that retirement saving. Same thing, save for taxes. So I think those are kind of the two big buckets that I would say I see most people not set up for is retirement, just setting money aside for them personally. And then um, also for the tax payment, when there's a profit, they're going to owe money. And if you don't have any taxes because there isn't a profit, then at least you have it and you can decide, okay, now what I had set aside, I could either spend because I don't need for that for taxes, or I'm just going to save for a future year when I'm going to have taxes. So you can decide, but at least you have the ability to say, I have the money there. What do I want to do with it? Rather than I don't have the money. Now, what do I do? And then you're, you're saying, I need to get another client. I need to get something else, more revenue so that, or I need to take a part-time job. So these are kind of the things as you're trying to progress through to be a serious business from kind of that hobby loss. You're saying, okay, you know, that's kind of the behavior that those decisions that you're making to get you to that point to stay there. Yeah. You know, going back to what you're talking about with um, leaving some kind of in the in your account for to pay for taxes. Like I was kind of a, you know, I was pretty naive. Like when I started, so like my first year, um, the only other jobs I'd ever done before that were like part-time, like retail and food and stuff like that. So I always usually got money back, you know, from taxes. So when I, I think the first year I might've done something like TurboTax or something I'm filing and I'm like, wait, they're, they're saying I owe money. I thought I get money back from taxes. You know, like I always just assumed that it was like, oh, you file your taxes and the government's like rewarding you money or something. But no, you know, like you have to kind of counterbalance for that. And that's why it's important to be keeping track of your expenses and stuff because you can use that to at least kind of lower maybe that amount that you do have to pay back because there's this money that you have to spend for your business and then that kind of you know eats into your income but you're still no matter what if you're a profitable business there's going to be money you have to pay back you know and taxes so you just want to make sure that you're leaving some of that in your account and like you were saying your accountant could probably help you you know figure out what's the right percentage to do that. Exactly. And I think, you know, kind of going back to when it's kind of a part-time thing, when you're, this is a side hustle thing in the beginning, you know, if you're working those multiple part-time jobs in order to get you to have enough income so that before this becomes a sustainable business, um, that's where like those businesses, those part-time businesses are taking money out of your paycheck before you get that deposited into your bank account. So they're doing that for you. So that's basically where now you are becoming the employer and you need to say, now I need to be withholding that from my paycheck before it goes into my business account. So those are the kind of things that it's just, you know, it's just a different mindset and it's just kind of shifting that and saying, now I'm the person that needs to do this and just doing it from the beginning. So I know as someone starting out, I often want to do everything myself. You know, you want to kind of take reign of everything because it's like you were saying earlier, it's your baby, you know, like you want to make sure that the quality is good, that all your customers are being taken care of. And what I have found over the years is the benefit of using the profit that I'm making and investing it in having other people help me. And that could be software, like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, investing that extra money into software to save you time. But it could also be, uh, you know, hiring a web designer, a brander, financial advisor, a lawyer. So I would love to just kind of um, hear from you how 
how you guys have kind of done that in your own business and how that kind of wraps into your finances too. Yeah, I think that's a great point to make. So just like, you know, you do video, but you're also working a lot of with a lot of different types of wedding vendors or event vendors, and they're all working together and they know the people that they go to when they need someone for video, when they need someone for, you know, a DJ, like all of these different pieces for food, all of that, just like that with our business, anytime that there's been something where you know, when we kind of back to, we want to grow. So when we go back to thinking about that, who do we need to get involved? And I think one of the things we've learned is, you know, in the beginning, you need to just get started. So you need to be doing something, put yourself out there. And that's where video, you know, kind of became that first starting point for us. And then from there, you're saying, now, who am I sending this video to? Who's going to see it? Where's it going to go? And so then you need to start getting the people involved. So whether that's website, um, social media, SEO, there's all these different people and they each have a specific thing that they do. What we found is that when you get the person that knows like everything about SEO, everything about um, social media, like you kind of find all those individual people, maybe that's a graphic designer. So like right now we have like five different people doing those things, but that's like, that's what they do and they do it really well. So we know, you know, they kind of become part of our team. So when, now I think the hard thing is, is because you have to spend money to do that. So what happens is like in the beginning, we said, okay, Travis, we're going to do video. And so as our business was growing, so as we saw the fruit of that working, and then we said, okay, now we're going to hire a marketing person. And, and she was, you know, posting everything for social media, website, all of that stuff, your blog. And so you kind of just add as time, you know, as your business grows and you're ready to add that. So don't feel like you have to do everything up front, but it is really important when you're ready to pull those specific people in that you actually are. Because I think what we've kind of found is like, if you don't do that in the beginning, then if you say, well, I'll figure out later, or I don't know, then you're kind of playing catch up and there might be a lot of mistakes that you made that you could have avoided if you just would have brought those people in early on, even just to ask their opinion. So when people are asking us, you know, or, or asking us about becoming a client, if there's someone that says, you know, I'm interviewing three or four advisors, that doesn't bother me because honestly, we want you to work with the person, the advisor that is going to be the best fit for you because we want you to succeed. So that is our number one goal. And if that does, and if that means not working with us, that's completely fine. Then there's someone that is going to help you. And that means that you connect with them really well. And that's going to keep you motivated to actually reaching your goals. So pulling in those people when you need them, that's what's helped our business, you know, kind of to be fueled at different points, you know, as you see where your traffic's coming from, as you see all of these things, um, these statistics and how that plays out. And as you see your business grow with just more clients, you can see that it's working. Yeah. Um, and I can even say for myself, I, I've became a client of you guys, you know, mm -hmm. and so just having you guys kind of dive into our finances and mm -hmm. examine them and just little tips here and there, like changes everything. Like we were actually off mic. We were kind of, I was talking about how like you, you recommended I switch our savings account to a different bank. And like just that like little increase of percentage mm -hmm. is going to add up so much over time. And it's like, I had to spend money on your guys' service, mm -hmm. but now that's easily going to pay for itself. And like, you know, probably no time at all. Right. And, and, it, and, it, and it's like an ongoing thing now too. You know, it was like that one investment I made in your guys' service is now going to carry over for the rest of my life. And yeah. so now let's say I am, I've been doing this for years and I'm pretty well established. I have my taxes down. I have a business bank account. We have everything organized and we have, and we're starting to add in team members. Yeah. Um, I would love to hear kind of your advice on how to handle that. Like, should they be, you know, setting these people up 
as like subcontract? Should they be employees? How should they pay them? You know, I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts on all that. Yeah. So there are a few different things you need to think through. And so again, this is kind of back to that. If you're starting to think about this, this is a, when you find yourself starting to think about something new in your business that you haven't done before, that's a great trigger to say, I need to go meet with someone to help me think through this best. And so that's where at this point we would say, well, talk me through how are you going to use these people? How many hours are they going to be working for you? How are you going to pay them? Like all of those things. Um, you know, do you want them to be full-time employees? Do you just want them to kind of work for you as needed? Because even that and how much you're going to pay all, all kind of dictates what you're going to be. If you're going to be a W2 employee, whether you're going to be 1099, um, but even how their business is. So are they, you know, only going to be working for you or are they going to have, you know, 10 other, you know, videographers that they're actually editing for or something like that? So it all depends. So that's where it kind of back to that conversation we can actually ask all of those questions and then say, this would be the best way to do that. So as your team grows, so as again, something's changing in your business, I'm going to add a person or a couple people that is that trigger to say, now, what should I do? And so that's where then we would talk you through because there's several different ways you can do it. Um, even kind of back to when I want to start saving for retirement, there's so many questions that come in that help us figure out, okay, this is the type of account we use because of what you're trying to achieve. So that's how we would kind of talk you through those decisions. Um, but I think that's just a natural point. Anytime something's going to change, I need to go have that conversation. Michelle, I know your guys' tagline is designed for life. Yeah. I would love to know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of, it was funny. We talked about financial design studio in the beginning and how that was the name of our business and um, that it is really designed around our clients. And so designed for life was kind of wrapping that up where it's designed and it's customized because it's customized for you so that you're living your life and, and life is so that you're enjoying when your kids get married. So you're enjoying watching their sporting events. So you're enjoying when you're not in the office, you're enjoying your life, that you have hobbies, that you have things that you do outside of your work and your career. Because a lot of times we will see people when they're ready to retire, they don't have hobbies. They don't maybe have relationships with family members or, you know, they don't know what they want to do. And so if, if we're helping you with your finances so that we're kind of taking care of that, because this is the part we do. So we come to you for video because you know, all things video. Whereas we know all things finance. And so that's where then we say, okay, we're going to help you with this so that you can live your life. So it's designing your finances. So you're living life and life really fully so that you have opportunities, you have choices in what you want to do. Michelle, let's, uh, let's assume I'm listening and I am in over my head on finances and I don't know where to turn. If, if someone's listening and they just love the education they've gotten from you and they want to learn more or they want to reach out to you to maybe even have you become their financial advisor, what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you? Yeah, the best thing to do is actually you can go to our website and there's a contact us. There's a button up there that you can just choose that. We'll send us an email and we'll reach out. There's a whole process that'll actually get a time set so I can talk with you to figure out what you have going on with your finances and how we can help you best. And if it's not us, that's going to be the best fit, depending on what's going on, we'll send you, you know, we'll refer you to someone else. Um, but like, that's the best place to get started. We'll have a conversation or a zoom meeting, and then we'll figure that out. I'll tell you what the different packages are. So we have a couple one-time packages so that you can just make sure everything's in order. And then from there you can take it and, you know, continue to manage it. Or if you want us to be involved in an ongoing basis. So there's a couple different ways you can do that. And then, um, um, 
from there we get going. So yeah, that's the best place. Uh, the other thing since Travis is so involved with, um, too, is we have uh, our blog. So that's every Tuesday we have a new financial topic that we're doing a video on. And then Friday we have like a market, kind of a market commentary, what's going on in the week, um, that Rob writes something specific for. So there's a couple like ongoing up to date things that happen frequently, uh, that's going through our blog. So yeah. And to create that great content, you know, like just a shout out to Travis. I think it's so cool in this podcast because you're kind of putting yourself in our shoes. So you see us, you know, when we record like 20 videos at a time, yeah. it's funny because, you know, we're like, okay, give me a second. And then we go into our video, but you're actually putting yourself, you know, in our shoes. So you're seeing what it's like. And I think anytime you do that, that just makes you a better business owner because you're actually seeing what your clients, you know, kind of puts you in their shoes. And now you're thinking, what are the things I can do to make that even better? So, um, whether it's starting out, whether it's having a team, you know, and growing, those are the things I think is so cool and that you're just, you love being creative. So we can tell that you're so excited about like the video ideas we come up with. And I think that's what makes it really fun. So yeah, this is a great idea. So I feel like I'm good. doing that show. What is like undercover boss? Or <laughs> exactly, <yes. laughs> I'm putting myself in the shoes of the, the, the people great. that I'm working or that I'm it's hiring wonderful. or whatever. So, um, cool. now do you, do you guys work with anyone across the globe? Um, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So uh, we have clients all over the U.S. So um, not really. We have a lot of clients that um, actually are U.S. based. So they are citizens, residents. They their home is here, um, but they live in other countries. And so that's the specific type of client. So not a lot of we don't have clients who live in another country. Like that's their you know residence, their citizenship. Um, so but U.S clients that are based here and they might just work overseas for now and then you know maybe in 10 years they're coming back so yeah that's that's really our client base so anywhere yeah we're not limited to um illinois it can be in across the u.s okay awesome well thank you again for your time michelle yeah, i greatly appreciate it and thank you for tuning in today and till next time we'll catch you later